strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. We got a twist, our turn to the economy. Uh, we had the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, come out. And when you look at the core of it, when you're looking at including food and fuel, things ticked up more than expected in the month of January. So it looks as if we are probably not going to see rate cuts when they meet next month. That's one thing. But there are other signs leading down the road that are not necessarily positive. I'm not a doom and gloomer. Arizona is positioned very well to withstand any kind of downturn that might happen. There may be some sectors where there's a downturn, but we're going to remain very strong because we've diversified our economy. So this is not a run for the hills moment. But when you have the PPI, the producer price index, that's the people that create the goods and services that you and I consume. It jumped up higher than expected, especially in two areas, food and fuel. When that happens, of course, as we know, a couple of places where it's been very sticky with inflation and families are suffering the most has been in food and fuel. We've seen a moderation of fuel prices. That's been great. But food prices remain very high. Shelter prices for rent and mortgages remain very high. Um, There isn't necessarily a shortage of housing out there to some, but there aren't many for sale. And there's a reason for that as well. And we know that with mortgage rates being up where they are above where they were a few years ago, that's the part of it that gets me is that I don't when I look at the mortgage rates, they're not extremely high when you think about where they've been in the past. But what we did see for a time was extremely low mortgage rates and people don't want to give up those rates. You know, and that's a big issue as well. So people are not putting their homes on the market because they don't want to pay a higher interest rates in the next home they'll buy. Once that shifts and it's going to, we're going to see the, the market return to reality. But when you look at what the trends are and the trends are now, it's costing more to make the goods and services or the goods that you and I consume. Um The problem I have is we continue to hear from the White House the blame game of blaming industry. They blame the grocery industry now. I've mentioned before they blame the fossil fuel industry before for profiteering. Um, Every American, and I will say that we have got to stop buying into, and I don't know that we all do, but we need to stop buying into the class warfare argument. It shouldn't be rich versus poor, white versus black, man versus woman when it comes to wages in our economy. We should be taking a really good, long, hard look at our government because the overspending that's happening. I'm not an anti-government person, but our government is spending. First of all, they're taking more money from the American people, whether it's local, state or federally. They are taking so much of the dollar we earn. We have very little of the money we make that we get to keep. By the time you pay sales taxes locally, by the time you pay your state taxes, by the time you pay fees, and then the federal government with federal income taxes and the fees that they charge on things that they do, um, we have very little of the money we make to keep. And so that's an issue because it's taking money out of the economy. I find it interesting. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I do find it interesting that the governments that we all have, that we all pay for, they have the money to give the best benefit packages to their employees. 
sick days and paid holidays and um, pensions in some cases and uh, certainly retirement in others. All of these things are available because they have our tax dollars in order to give these big benefit packages where small businesses don't have that ability because they're barely eking out a profit in many cases. I find that to be an interesting thing. Usually, generally speaking, when small businesses have more money of their own, they share it with their employees. They invest in new equipment to make the jobs easier. Um, In my world, in the contracting business, newer trucks to get around. If you're a service person, I know this sounds silly, but if you're a service electrician like I was, you want, you wanted, you need a newer truck. It's nicer to drive in a newer vehicle. And that sounds dumb, but it's an amenity that really plays a role in your job. You're in that vehicle all day long. Um, and companies pay for newer vehicles when they have more of their own money, the tools and equipment necessary to do the job that your employer provides. Benefit packages and things of that nature, that's when they're able to do them. And when we look at what the government has done and how much money they're borrowing, that's where our inflation comes from. They borrow money and they print money. They devalue the money and then they borrow more on top of that. $1.1 trillion in in interest is what the U.S. um, taxpayers are paying in interest. It's expected that in the not-too-distant future, it will cost you and I more money, more tax dollars in the interest that we pay than we pay for national defense. It's it, that is untenable. So now in recent days, we have heard from the former CEO of Home Depot. We have heard from the Congressional Budget Office. We have heard from the head of the Fed, Jerome Powell. All of these people in different parts of our economy have all said this is an unsustainable fiscal path we're on. And yet there is no talk of it stopping. Tax refunds are much smaller this year so far, according to the IRS. The average refund check so far this year is $1,395 as of February 2nd, about 29% lower compared to the 1,963 average recorded last year. That is based on nearly 2.6 million tax refunds, collectively worth about $3.65 billion. Um, The IRS cautioned taxpayers the average refund amount will likely change in the coming months as more returns are processed. Hopefully, as that happens, and generally speaking, the people that file later are the people that aren't getting money back or getting very little money back. We know that. That if you know you're getting a tax return, you can't, you're not going to wait till April 15th to file your taxes. If you know you're getting a big refund, you file your taxes as soon as possible to get that check as soon as possible. But if the government has more of our money, if they're printing money, if they're borrowing money on top of the money they already take from us, I'll keep saying it. I'm not an anti-government person. I am not anti-government. But we have got to streamline this. Every business owner, when you hear these major corporations talking, Home Depot, you're talking about a company that deals in billions of dollars. Our country deals in trillions of dollars. But when you have people that realize when you have that kind of cash flow and you're dealing in billions of dollars, to get overwhelmed with debt can cripple a company very quickly. They need to be limber. They need to be able to make moves. They need to be able to take risks. They need to be able to change. And when you have a huge amount of debt, that limits you. Because you have to service that debt every month. And when you get to a point where you can't service that debt, you lose everything. 
And you've got more people warning about this. So tax returns are diminishing. Inflation remains high. The cost of producing goods in January went up, which means the cost of goods in February, March, and April are going to go up. So we are continuing to see sticky inflation. We're not going to be able to be, we're probably not going to see in March a reduction, which means they're not going to meet again until May. We may not see a reduction in interest rates until May or maybe even later than that. And you've got the head of Citigroup, the, the chief economist for the American division of Citi is saying um, that we are headed toward a recession. We already see it happening in Europe. They're saying it is it is a huge recession that's happening in Europe, and U.S. is headed in that direction as well. And yet, they are talking about cuts in spending in corporate America. They should shave their profits. They should cut back on this. They should cut back on that. The government's not cutting back on anything. As a matter of fact, the government is growing. That should concern every American. I'm not talking to Republicans. I'm talking to us that live in Arizona. Look at the difference in what Arizona has done. We are well positioned to withstand a downturn. We've slimmed down the size of government because of regulate with regulation cuts, over 3,000 cuts to regulation in the last 10 years. And we've also streamlined our tax burden on our citizens. That has diversified our economy, made our businesses more strong, and has helped the individual as well. In a moment, we're going to shift gears to the topic of the WM Phoenix Open. They have made an announcement of trying to help people after what happened in this year's tournament. We're going to talk about some of the fallout because I think some of it's unfair. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I want to remind you, if you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, it's very simple to do, and you'll never miss a minute of the show. And I want to thank the people from your Valley Chevy dealers. They're the sponsor of the podcast this week. Um, I want to talk about the WM Phoenix Open, and, and I want to be very honest about this. I've got, I've had the pleasure of getting to know a lot of the people associated with this tournament, and the more I learned about them, if, if you listen to the show, I love the Arizona-centric things that we do, things that are ours as Arizona. I love Pat's run. I think uh, honoring Pat Tillman and what it raises money for, but the community that it builds because of the sacrifice and Pat Tillman playing at ASU and then playing for the Cardinals and giving up that career, I think it's an amazing event that is ours. It's our event. Uh, the fact that we see more and more big things coming here, the Final Four and Super Bowls and National Championships, I love the Fiesta Bowl. I think the Fiesta Bowl, again, being so uniquely Arizona, it is something that is just amazing that we have. But the event that is Arizona's event, with all due respect to the others, is the WM Phoenix Open. And the WM Phoenix Open is an amazing event, and it is a, the biggest party on grass. It's internationally known as, as a golf tournament. You think about the majors, the masters, and the other majors that are out there for the golfers. But for the golf fan, this is very close on that bucket list to some of the others. I'm certainly never going to put it in the category of the Masters. It's completely different. But it is one of the event, events where golf fans say this is a bucket list item is to go to the WM Phoenix Open. But what I never lose sight of is the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they raise every single year that stays right here in Arizona. They get in a room with their board, with the people that write the checks, and they write checks for millions of dollars every year to local charities. They completely, when I say completely, they they are the majority underwriter of Special Olympics Arizona, which we all know is an event like no other. And they 
absolutely not just underwrite it, but the Thunderbirds themselves. These are very busy very successful business people in our community. They give up not just their time, but extensive amounts of time for Special Olympics. Uh, when it comes to the tournament, they are out there weeks and months in advance. They spend weeks before the tournament living out there away from their families to put this tournament on. I preface everything I'm about to say with that because I'm never going to lose sight of that. What happened this year being an anomaly with the weather and what it did, they have already set up a refund policy for ticket holders. If you could not get on Saturday because they closed the entry gates because of the storms and because of the standing water and the mud and everything else, people are not able to get into the tournament. They have a way for you now to go to uh, emailing orders at WMPhoenixOpen.com. That's orders at WMPhoenixOpen.com. The quote is, a dedicated team will be available to respond to inquiries and answer any questions, according to their statement. What bothers me about this is that the Thunderbirds are getting blasted for this in, 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 in something that was a lot of it was out of their control. Now, they would tell you, I'm guessing I haven't talked to any of them about this. I'm guessing that they would say they've learned a lot that they've learned how to deal with this and what this did with the log jam of people in areas because others were inaccessible because of the mud and the standing water. Um, so they're going to change things. But to hold them accountable for bad behavior of people, I just think is an unfair thing to do. You couple people drinking with crowds that were huge in certain areas compared to others, the lack of ability to get out of those crowds, and we saw a lot of things happen. But there's a story it says Thunderbirds looking to identify remedy issues experienced during the 2024 WM Phoenix Open. Um, but then there's a story, and I'm not going to even talk about who the author of the story just because I don't know this person and I'm not trying to rip them personally. But the headline says Phoenix Open organizers won't answer questions about the event chaos. They've answered questions. Uh, Chance Cosby went on the Golf Channel and answered questions. They put out a statement. How long do you want them to belabor whatever questions you're going to ask them? I'm being very serious. These are this is a group of people that have shown themselves in years past to adjust to big crowds and adjust to situations. The PGA, I'm sure, has talked to them. Some of the players were upset by behavior of some of the fans. And next year's tournament's going to be different. The party atmosphere is still going to be the party atmosphere. Years ago. My, I think this analogy stands up. Years ago, and you all still remember it, but if you went back and looked at how many years ago it was, you'd be surprised when Las Vegas had its official advertising and marketing campaign to the world was, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's still a saying people use. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, what ended up happening, the unintended consequences of that, was that people were going to Vegas believing there were no rules. You could do whatever you want, run around naked, performing intimate acts in public. Getting so drunk you pass out on the sidewalk. Well, the police had to respond accordingly. And there had to be a clear message sent to partiers in Vegas that was, no, we want you to come here and have a good time, have a drink. You know the party atmosphere in Vegas, but you're going to control yourself like a reasonable adult or you're going to find yourself in jail. And they sent a clear message. And over a couple of years, over a span of a few years, Vegas is still the party venue that it's always been. It is uh, America's playground, the world's playground, so to speak. But they have reigned in the behavior where people, idiots, let's call them what they are, 
juveniles, adult juveniles that think getting wasted and puking on the sidewalk or taking off your clothes or whatever else is acceptable. They've been taught a lesson that it isn't. You can't hold the city of Las Vegas accountable for that. They did a marketing campaign that didn't work out for them. And so now what do you see? Well, I'm telling you that the men that lead the Phoenix Thunderbirds are smart. These are the some of the most successful people in their industries in the state of Arizona. Type A personalities that come together every year to put on a tournament that raises so much money for charity, and they are most proud of that fundraising. There's no way they're going to tarnish or diminish that because of a party or idiots behaving badly. You're going to see a different presence next year. It will be different next year than it was this year. You're going to see a, something that we all can be proud of, and I'm confident in that. I haven't talked to them because I haven't reached out. I'm just defending the tournament, and I'm saying we watch these things happen, and they're going to adjust to write a story in the newspaper saying they won't return my calls and answer my questions. Why? Why would they? Why would they belabor this? Wait until they find solutions, and I guarantee you they're going to talk to the public about what they're doing differently. It's coming. In a moment, what issues could affect the presidential election? We talk about all of the controversy on both sides of the aisle. Next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, let's talk elections. There is expected today that we are going to see a verdict in the fraud case going on in New York involving former President Trump, where he's been accused of inflating the value of his assets in New York. That verdict is expected today. The testimony was kind of shaken up this morning in the prosecutor, Fannie Willis, in Georgia, because she may be removed because of an inappropriate relationship with somebody on the prosecution team. It was expected this morning that she would testify for a second day. She didn't. I believe her father took the stand. But what will happen in that case and how do those cases play a role in who people will vote for? Um, Again, taking out the people that are guarantees. There are some people that will vote for Joe Biden if he's the Democratic candidate, no matter how they feel about whether or not he should be the candidate, especially given the option of Donald Trump. There's no way they'd vote for Donald Trump. And vice versa. There are people out there that will vote for Donald Trump no matter who the opposing candidate is, but especially if it's Joe Biden and what's been going on with him. So those diehards are not going anywhere. It's not good or bad. It's just an observation. But there are a huge number of independents in this country. And if you look at the leanings of what independents have been saying, there was a focus group by the New York Times of 13 independent voters. And it was a very extensive, in-depth focus group. That They said the economy is the number one issue for them. The border is in there as well. But given the opportunity on the day they did the focus group, if the election were held that day, 11 of the 13 would vote for Donald Trump. Now, it's a very small sample, so it's difficult to say that those numbers are accurate across the board, but it does give you a little bit of a, of, of a – of an indication of what people are doing. Um, this uh, this Fannie Willis case, I will tell you why I think this is, is interesting, and I'm going to get to more uh, about the election across the board because nearly half of voters think that Biden will likely be replaced as the nominee. We are already in the middle of February. This election happens in November. The idea that they could prop up another candidate doesn't seem likely. 
It doesn't. I mean, I guess it's anything is possible. I've been wrong many times before. But at this late stage, which it could still happen, but at this late stage for almost half of voters in America to believe he's going to be replaced as the nominee, that should be worrisome for the Biden campaign, that they believe that he is so incapable of the job that they're going to have to replace him as the nominee. He's the incumbent. The incumbent president, if you look at our history, especially in the last 30 to 40 years, the incumbent president running for a second term wins most often. I think it was Jimmy Carter. In, in, in my memory of when I, re, when I've been watching, Jimmy Carter was not reelected. George H.W. Bush was not reelected. Donald Trump was not reelected. Um, and you look at all of the others, whether they were popular or weren't, ended up being reelected as president of the United States. So what will happen here? But I think this Fannie Willis case is interesting, and I'll tell you why. The former president has set up and has talked about even during his run for the first presidency, first time he ran for president, he has said that they're not after me. They're after you and I'm just in their way. And that was the drain the swamp and that they're coming after me. Then during the four years of his presidency, there was a nonstop investigation, impeachments against him, two big committees in the House of Representatives, all four years of his presidency investigating him. One of those committee chairs, Adam Schiff, saying he had evidence that the president broke the law, that evidence was never brought forward. We had the Mueller report. And so the narrative from people on the right side of the aisle, on the president's side of the aisle, the former president, I should say, is that they're out to get him, that all of this is a witch hunt. Well, now you've got the prosecutor in Georgia and people that she's aligned with that are a part of these prosecutions, and now there's a question about their integrity, and it's a valid question. It's not me saying it. As a matter of fact, of all places, yesterday, after Fannie Willis testified, it was MSNBC and their people saying this is not good for her, which I think is the reason she didn't testify again today. So if she ends up being removed from this case, if a judge removes her from this case, will the case go forward or does it fall apart? If it does fall apart, does it add to the narrative that people are just out to pull him from the ballot no matter what? If the Supreme Court decides that Trump stays on the ballot in Colorado, what does that do to those other cases across the country? Does it add to the narrative that they're by any means necessary, they want him off the ballot? If he's successful in this fraud trial in New York, does it add to the narrative that they're just trying to find a way to damage his character? I'm not saying whether you should like him or not like him. I'm asking an honest question. What role does that play? With President Biden, they have said, Chuck Schumer has said, the idea that he is losing his ability to do the job, that his mental acuity is diminishing. He said it's right-wing propaganda. Does the American, do the American people believe that? Do they believe that President Biden is mentally capable of another four years of the grind of 24 hours a day, seven days a week? All this being said about both candidates, being the leaders in both of their parties for the candidacy for president, majority of voters still saying they wish they had someone else to choose from, polls are showing them in a statistical tie. Now, I think that's remarkable. I wouldn't feel good about it if I were President Trump. I wouldn't feel good about it if I was President Biden. 
Biden supporters believe that and he blames not just Trump, but MAGA Republicans for every problem in the country. He blamed the border issue on MAGA Republicans. He blames vitriol in Washington on MAGA Republicans. The Trump supporters, the same thing. They blame Biden for everything, and they think he's the worst president and least capable person to do that job. And yet, when you pull all of the voters together, it's a coin toss. It's a coin toss on who's going to win this election. What does that say about the American electorate? What does it say about the candidates from the major parties that are running for president? I think it's an interesting study. As we cover this election, and I will tell you that we've made a commitment here, everybody in this building at KTAR News, to give you the best possible information so that you can be an informed voter. And we're going to do that throughout the year. And we want to make sure that when you go to the polls or you fill out your ballot, that you have the most information necessary at KTAR.com. The interviews we do, we're going to make them all available to you. And so I hope that it works out that way. But this study in this election, to me is fascinating. What we're going to do in a moment is shift back to we're going to talk about crime in America, but I'm going to start with an update on the shootings in Kansas City. But there's more cities involved in this. One city is going to complete is going to defund and get rid of their police department. I'm going to tell you why they're doing that. It's all coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, you know, whether it's uh, violence in the East Valley or it's the shooting in Kansas City at a celebration for the Super Bowl um, or it is an uptick in crime in New York City, what's happening across the country. And we're going to get into some of these specifics. People are very concerned. Now, we have seen violent crime decrease across the country. I think that is fantastic news. Uh, Here in the city of Phoenix, where I live, valley-wide as well, but specifically the city of Phoenix, there's been about a 12 or a 13 percent drop in um, homicides. And we have seen a drop in violent crime. And a lot of that has to do with specifics in police work. And others, it's a national trend. And I think that's a great thing. But in other places, we are watching things happen. And what is the answer? If you look at what's coming out of St. Louis now, the narrative has completely changed. You have what was news everywhere, even and and you know, something is big when it crosses into different genres. It wasn't just the news stations. ESPN broke into coverage to cover it because it was a sports event. But in the days that followed, they have also covered it. They continue to cover it on Sports Center and other places, which means this transcends just a news story. It's going into other areas. But the narrative has changed, and I believe the narrative has changed for a couple of reasons. This wasn't a mass shooting in the sense of what we've seen with school shootings where a mentally deranged person just opens fire on a crowd with a manifesto, and it wasn't that. It seems as if it's a beef between individuals that got out of control and ended up in gunfire. The thing is, is if you're not a firearms owner, I'm going to tell you from someone who is – the first time you you're nervous, the first time you fire a gun, the first time you fire a gun, you realize immediately the power behind that trigger and the damage that it could do. So safety becomes 
of the utmost importance. We taught our girls to shoot when they were very, very young. It was a recreation for our family, but it also was to destigmatize firearms. And they turned out to be very good shots. And I always wanted them to be able to protect themselves when they became adults. But they were always safety conscious. The idea that I would ever have to point a gun at another human being is terrifying. I never want to have to shoot someone. But the idea that I would be so angry at somebody that I would begin shooting into a crowd hoping to hit the person I was after, I can't even fathom that. But that's what it looks like happened. And to add further um, uh, to further muddy the waters with what's going on in this investigation, two of the three people in custody or that were in custody, and I don't know that charges have been leveled yet, um, are juveniles. These are kids shooting at each other. But how about these other headlines? Because no one's been charged there. A Minnesota city, the government of Moose Lake, Minnesota, has voted to disband its entire police force after the city council voted to contract with the county for law enforcement per their request. So they're going to get coverage. You know, if you think about the town of Fountain Hills in the you know in the East Valley going towards um, the uh, the road up to Payson. Up the Beeline Highway there. It's a beautiful little area. They don't have their own police force. They're patrolled by the county. Um, Will they get their own police force? I imagine they will, but they don't yet. This town is disbanding its police force for economic reasons. A frightened Oakland restaurant owner calls the city's crime rate an epidemic worse than I've ever seen. More businesses are closing in the city of Oakland because they are overrun with crime. Um, Policies at the prosecutorial level play a big role in this. Uh, The attention to, and I will say the city of Phoenix, as much as I may disagree with some people and their politics at the city, We have seen the city council support the Phoenix Police Department. If you look at Scottsdale PD, we just had their chief on recently, Chandler PD, whose chief is retiring with the lowest crime rate in that city's history. And across the valley, we have seen the support for the police remains strong, not just by the citizenry. I'm not surprised by that at all. But the governments are standing up and defending their police officers. I think that's a fantastic thing. I think as citizens in Maricopa County, as we watch the uh, the city of Phoenix push back against the possibility of entering into a consent decree with the Department of Justice and the citizens, largely there's groups of the citizens that don't like it, but a large portion of our citizenry um, approves of that stance. I think citizens of Maricopa County need to start pushing for the DOJ and the oversight of the, uh, the sheriff's office to go away. It's been over 10 years and it costs millions of dollars per year and it has shown absolutely no progress and it has shown absolutely no improvement in policing in Maricopa County. We are wasting millions of dollars a year in a private monitor overseeing that agency with no show of improvement. We just go, I'll go back to Oakland, California. Oakland, California has seen about 13 police chiefs since they've been under a consent decree for about 20 years. Means the city of Oakland and their public safety budget has been paying millions and millions of dollars to a private monitor. They've gone through 13 chiefs of police. You don't think 13 chiefs of police could have solved that problem, but it seems like they can't. 
I think that where it may be necessary, and I, not maybe, where it is necessary at times for the federal government to step in because local law enforcement is inept and maybe corrupt, we're not seeing it here in Phoenix. It certainly isn't happening at the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. And if we truly want to be consistent in public safety, all of the money in that budget is going to need to go toward public safety, police and fire. We've chronicled and are going to continue to talk about the Phoenix Fire Department being in desperate need of staff, equipment, and fire stations. Instead of spending tens of millions of dollars in oversight that doesn't work in the police department, let's put it into public safety, into personnel, equipment, fire stations, and police stations to make our city safer. I just think that's the right way to go. I, I not only do I think it is, I know it is. We don't want to end up like these other places. Can you imagine a city council that on their budget believes one of their best moves is to get rid of, disband their police department? It seems like it seems crazy. Coming up just after 11, we're going to shift our focus back to the border. New statistics on how many people in the president's party disapprove of his handling of the border. The number is staggering, but it might be good news if we want change. We'll talk about it next.